Welcome to Healthy Churches ABNWT, a resource created by and for PAOC Alberta and Northwest Territories pastors and ministry leaders. The focus is on leadership development and congregational health. The goal is to help you reach more people. Visit abnwt.com for more information. Welcome to the ABNWT podcast. My name is Jeremiah. This podcast is by ABNWT leaders and for ABNWT leaders. I encourage you to share it with your team, inspire them, inform them. We are really better together. And so with me today is Pastor Mark Brisebois. He's the senior pastor of Spruce Grove Community Church and the founder of Watchmen on the Wall Ministries. Mark and I talked recently about the heart motivations of a leader, and I just wanted to get back into that conversation and share that with you today. So, Mark, I'm going to start right away and just say, you know, we talk about motivations, we talk about leadership. What do leaders need to wrestle with on a daily basis concerning the motivations of their hearts? Well, I guess, you know, the the missing issue so often is the courage to look in the mirror and to evaluate where you are. And uh, yet, you know, we know the paradigm of uh, that Jesus gave us in terms of you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. And so that means any any place where there isn't freedom, that means there's there's a lack of truth. Because if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So that any lack of freedom is an absence of truth. So the Lord sort of gave this to me early on in my journey when I was learning to walk by faith learning to birth a ministry out of nothing. We didn't have a church. God didn't let me do that. I was traveling, itinerating. And right. and there were moments when, of course, the anxiety and the fear of not having enough money and the rest of that would, would overwhelm me. And God would base, basically begin to put it to me, uh, are you free? And, you know, when you are overwhelmed with fear and anxiety or, you know, you, you worry, it's obviously these are not characteristics equal to freedom. Right. You're not free. You're you're boxed in. You're uh, you're terrorized. And so the Lord began to, because it's very easy for us to we're chameleons. You know when we when we see what it is we should look like or how we should sound, we do that. We learn the right things to say, how to look. And for me, it was the era of faith. How do I look like a man of faith? So I learned the right things to say. And so God had to come to my life and say, well, you know the right things to say, except you don't really believe. Right. And the evidence you don't believe is such and such and such. And so he sort of backed me into a corner to say, um, you know, I, I can't deal with something in you. I can't heal you. I can't free you from something that you don't believe that you have. And so there's, there's an essential need to have enough humility to, to recognize what it is that God's trying to tell you that you don't have. But sometimes we're so fearful and so insecure, we can't come to that table. We're not really willing to come to that table, and so God is not able to speak to us. And... Um, and so the courage to embrace the truth, you know, James puts it this way. He says, he says be a, not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. And he gives this great analogy saying that the, the hearer only is like a man who looks in the mirror, sees his natural face of what he is, and goes away and forgets what manner of man he is. In other words, uh, where the, the mirror is, is self-evaluation. It is a, is it a, well, it's not really self-evaluation. It's an evaluation of sorts, but you get to see your actual condition. 
And uh, having the courage to do that and hold on to that and remember that is very pivotal to what we're becoming. And so the whole book of James in that way is, is one of my favorites because it's, it's actually asking the, es- the, the essential questions. What are you in, your, in your heart? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So he starts talking about things about, called, he calls it the overflow of wickedness. He said, listen, when, when there's these things coming up out of you that are ungodly, what do you, where do you think that comes from? Right. You can pretend that's not you. You can say, oh, I had, I'm having a bad day. It's this. It's an exception to the rule. And yet Jesus said it's, it's not, not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man. Right. And so what the Lord is trying to say to us is, listen, when you're under stress, when circumstances come on you and things come out of your mouth, those things are actually a manifestation of what you are. Now, they break past what you're trying to be and actually are a moment to evaluate. You're looking into a mirror and say, no, actually, this is who I am. It's coming out of my heart. It's a part of who I am. And so he goes on in James using that that paradigm to yeah. begin to say, hey, there's blessing and cursing coming from the same place. This ought not to be so, you know, and uh, and so your, your, your lips are speaking these things. And it's not a matter of not just saying things, but evaluating that if I said that, it must be coming from my heart. We like to we like to, to deflect. We like to say, right. "Well, you made me mad. You right. you did this, yeah. and if you had not done that, I would not have done this." No, no, no. I, I used to say when I was teaching on this uh, in, in at Christ for the Nations Bible School, I said, "You are like a tube of toothpaste. You know what's inside when the pressure comes comes out. Yeah. You know." Other people don't put that in you, but they do help you see what's there. Right. Again, we're looking in a mirror. And so if leaders had the courage to not say, oh, this, this moment of weakness is an anomaly and it wasn't me, but rather turn it around and say, no, that moment of weakness is not an anomaly. It is a better reflection of me when I'm tired and I can't protect who, I, who I'm trying to be, and yet it comes out. James Dobson was talking about this. He gives this great illustration where this <clears throat> grandfather figure becomes very bitter, and the grandson says to his dad, says, Dad, how, how come Grandpa got so bitter in his old age? Yeah. And the father says, well, son, Grandpa's always been bitter. He's just lost the ability to hide it. Wow. And so what our journey is a continuous manifestation of a truth, and the truth is what is our present condition. Are we willing to look in the mirror and to begin to uh, deal with the fact that we are not what we ought to be? Doesn't mean we're not sincere. Doesn't mean we're not trying. But it's the knowledge of the truth that sets us free, that actually changes fundamentally who we are. And um, and again, it's a trickle down. If you want a church that does that, you have you as a leader have, have to, to embody that. What gets in the way of that? Well, first of all, uh, the church... Now, again, you can't blame the church because it, it's fundamentally as leaders, it's a lack of courage. But we have let the church – well, let, let me back up. When yeah. I came to the church I'm presently at, I've, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's an idolatry of leadership in this church. And I thought, okay, uh, what do I do about that? And I felt the Lord said, just be yourself. And I thought, well, that's, that's easy because um, – <laughs> I, I used to try to be somebody else, but I kept spilling out. So I, I found that that didn't really work. And so, so I'm not trying to be a super spiritual, perfect leader. And what that means is that means the people around me are going to have to come to grips with the fact that I am not a glorious earthen vessel, but I have glory in, in an earthen vessel. Right. And there, those two things are fundamentally different. 
And so I think what religion does around us and what congregants do and what the political structures of our churches do is they, they encourage us to be something we're not for fear of losing our place, for fear of losing congregants, for lo- fear of losing our jobs, for right. fear of losing... So fear is the ultimate... Uh, you know, it's if you go right back to the garden, you know, when Adam and Eve, yeah. they hid themselves. Why? Because I was afraid. Yeah. So pastors and leaders, we hide because we're afraid. And and so, again, the courage to to embrace the reality of who we are and what God's needing to do and to be able to present that, not dismiss it, but present that in a human way, to, to be an earthen vessel in front of people and take the hits of what it means when people will downgrade you. Because ultimately, if they do that, then it's because they're being phony. They're being right. fake. Yeah. And our job is to actually penetrate that veneer, that, that, um, that chameleon uh, you know, dynamic that's operating within the church. Everybody's afraid to be earthly, to be natural. Everybody's trying to put the best foot forward. And, uh, and that, is some, it, that is detrimental to the message of the gospel. It's detrimental to transformation. It's detrimental to releasing people from their bondage. Right. But it is the most natural inclination, which is to put our best foot forward and hide what's wrong with us. You know, you invite people over to your house to put, a, put out the best cutlery, right. the best dishes, or yep. the worst ones. Do you clean up before they come or after they leave? You know, yeah. you're, you're much more diligent before they come because you're presenting something. Now, it's not wrong to do that. And, of course, these are natural protocols, and, and it's great, and, and there's a purpose of hospitality and the rest of that. But it shows that the basic inclination that we have is to present a better face than what we're actually there. And between what we really are and what we present, there's a tension. There's a dissonance there, and it, it's based on a fear. And so um, a part of what God wanted me to do was to break this idea that God only anoints perfect people, that the favor of God only comes on people who have it all together. But the, but the truth is, no, we are earthen vessels with a glory inside of them. And as soon as you give in to the notion that you have to present a glorious vessel, you've missed the point. There's a dichotomy of Christ in us, the hope of glory, that is the essence of the gospel. And it needs to be lived out and demonstrated by leaders who, who are comfortable with your humanity and who are, who are ready to face down anybody who would try to marginalize them because of that humanity. And again, it's not about justifying sin or, or um, you know, uh, outbursts of wrath or anything like that. But it's just to say the pecking order of the kingdom of heaven is not based on false perfection. It's based on uh, true transformation. And are we willing to, to look in the mirror and walk in the level of transformation we have knowing there's still some, some, some distance to go? What does it look like for a pastor to have courage in the face of... Well... Yeah, that, that's a that's a really hard thing because it's it, there's so many scenarios in different ways it can manifest in terms of the dynamics of church life, but it it comes down to the uh, uh, the openness. Let me let me back up here. There there seems to be even with me. I in the last few years I've come through sort of a threshold of personal transformation, where there are some things I was not willing to accept about the order of the kingdom. I would, I mean, I'm, I, I go and speak all kinds of places, but mm. I, I remember looking at certain people and thinking, you know, why do they have this favor that I don't? And of course I would start to, to measure them by things that I thought were important. 
And and the Lord would begin to to say, actually, they possess something you don't. Do you really? Do you want to know what that is? And and I was actually, it, it was striking something really really profound in me because it was touching the the remainder of the insecurity I had about what had not changed in me, but what needed to be changed. Right. And that's a very fearful thing. It's. Because you have to admit at some level that there's a something about me that needs to be changed and I don't know what it is. And there's a powerlessness to that that men particularly really struggle with. That, you know, and, and Jesus sort of hit the Pharisees up with this. He said to them, because you say you see, your sin remains. In other words, any defect that you, is in you right now, so long as you hold on to the notion that you see that, that you somehow have clarity about the world and who you are, that presumption is, is a facade of pride that will actually keep you from breaking through in that area. And so, so I remember uh, a few years ago, I had this breakthrough with my own leader. He was a pastor, and I, I, I would have said, oh, I love this man. I would do anything for him. But I remember the distinct day when I crossed a threshold, when I began to see that I felt like he saw something that needed to be done in me, and I didn't know what it was. Right. In every other way, I felt I had lots of clarity, but I began to realize I don't have clarity. And this was intimidating. It was intimidating to think that somebody could see something that I couldn't, and the only way for me to give them access to this was blindly. I had to trust that wow. they could see it. And that was a... That, but one day, I just sort of crossed this threshold, and I thought, I thought, I believe my pastor Gideon sees something that needs to be done that is a barrier to my next phase of development in ministry in the kingdom of God. And if it would take me laying down my ministry, not traveling to the nations anymore, coming under him and serving him in the, in the shadow of his ministry and doing what he wanted for two years, I would do it. Yeah. And I remember thinking, as soon as that sort of struck me, I thought, you know, I couldn't have said this yesterday. I, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't, so that means there's a trust now and a willing to cross this threshold. And I thought, how long has it taken for me to come to this point where I was willing to admit that I'm blind, but that somebody else sees? And, and that was, uh, that, you know, that was not an easy threshold to cross. But when it did, it instantly began to pay dividends, huge dividends in my life as whatever that was in me, that deeper insecurity, that thing I was protecting, and again, it's not about a behavior. It's not about a sin. It's not about an overt thing. It is. It is about deep identity, and uh, and and so these are the things. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, yeah. and that's what God is trying to change. So, as a pastor, what do I like? What needs to happen in my life? I want to. I want to get there. I want to drill down. Help me. Well, I, <laughs> how do I? Where do I go from here? Well, here's a great again, James. This book of James is absolutely stunning, but he's uh, in chapter three. He's giving this. So he's laying out the dynamics of division. He's he's talking about conflict, and um, he's basically bringing us to the point where he points the, to the cornerstone of what what causes and what empowers conflict, and it's pride. He's laying out the uh, the for and against in terms of an argument. And he's you know because usually people think when there's division or conflict they think well I'm right they're wrong, right. but he lays it out. He says here listen here's the wisdom from above. If you're really thinking like God and if you're right if you're truly right and if you think God would be on your side in this thing this is how you would feel. He says the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy 
good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. And basically in my life, what the Lord has been showing me in the last 10 years, particularly I've really grabbed onto this, that anytime you have a moment with people and something other than what this feels and looks like is, is echoing in your being, if there's insecurity, fear, if there's a, a, a desire to lash out or, God forbid, strangle somebody, you know, if there's anger, if there's what he called the overflow of wickedness, that is an indicator that there's something wrong inside of your heart. It's like opening the fridge and there's the smell of rotting fruit. You know that there's something in there. Right. James is saying, listen, this, these are, here's the characteristics of rotting fruit. And it usually comes out in the, in, the, uh, in the relationships where there is some tension. So whenever, whenever I had tension in any relationship, whenever I, there was annoyance, whenever there was, there was uh, I disliked somebody, I wanted to pull back from them, I had to start asking the question, not what did they do, but what's wrong with me? that I cannot embrace them? What's wrong with me that I can't just come as a father and love them and put my arms up? Why do I withdraw? Why do I resent them? Why am I irritated? Why? Because love conquers all. Clearly these things are not consistent with love. And I begin to hold myself, tether myself to what, the, what these biblical characteristics of what love should look like. And I held myself accountable to that. And that was my meager effort to say to God, I want to deal with these things right. that I don't even know what they are but I can smell them because you've given me attributes that tell me they're there. And so if we would do that in the context of working with board members, working with people in our church, because God is always speaking to us, pointing, trying to get us to, to deal with these things, but we'd rather hide, say they're not there because somehow our sense of self, our sense of authority, our right to lead is all compromised by the possibility that there might be something wrong with us. And that fear keeps us insulated from the truth that would set us free. Well, what do you say to the leader that's stopped, not growing, not seeking? What do you say? Well, uh, clearly this is not happening, you know, but that, that they have actually come to a standstill because they, you've steadfastly refused to deal with something, and um, and it's probably very close to home. You know, ask your wife. Ask somebody really close to you. Start listening to the voices. In fact, I've shared this recently with my church, that things that my wife has been telling me for 20 years, I'm finally seeing what it is. And, and it wasn't that the way she framed it was perfect, because we always come from our own vantage point. But but I realize now she was more right than I ever thought, than I ever knew. And so God is always bringing a witness to us of what it is he's after in us. We just have to realize that we're actually not really open to hear it. So all these things we're talking about are peer related but how does this connect with our relationship to God? Well, years ago, a, a friend of mine was, um, he said, I, I see something within the Western culture, and it is this this presupposition that everything is built on that somehow you can be intimate with God in a way that you're not intimate with people. And yet that paradigm is is not valid. I mean, it's clear. You read First John, it's not valid. And, and what he said, he went a step further. He said, you are no more intimate with people than you are with God, which is to say for me is that the same dynamics that caused me to be distant from my brother are the exact same dynamics that caused me to be distant from God. And so as much as I say, oh, I'm drawing near to God, I love God, but I don't trust people, I love God, but da-da-da-da, uh, actually those exact dynamics are at work between you and God. And a great analogy that I love is when God first calls 
Israel to meet him at Mount Sinai. And, of course, they meet the fearsomeness of God, and they're afraid. Because the fearsomeness of God, the light, the glory of God, cause everything that is not consistent with that glory to tremble. And, and so as men, as we are called and approaching God, we actually can't penetrate. We actually hold back in the same way we distance ourselves from people. We insulate ourselves from relationships that hold us accountable. That same impulse is between there and God. Despite the fact that behind the lightning, behind the thunder, behind the dark clouds is actually pure love beyond our imagination. The veneer that God exposes threatens what is not consistent with him and keeps us at a distance even from God himself. And that's the essential problem we face as leaders. Friends, I want to just invite you to share this with your team, share this with your church. Let's continue to be bold and be courageous as leaders. See our churches revitalized here in the AP NWT region so we can see more people come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So until next time, 